Hello, welcome to the Social Sunday podcast. I'm Hannah Reisted and today I have another interview for you, this time with the lovely Helen. Now in this chat we spoke about creativity, coaching, loads of really useful information for business owners. I don't want to give too much away but I really do think that this one is jam-packed full of useful tips and advice. I bought her book the other week as well and I'm so excited to get stuck into that. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Hi Helen, how are you? Really good, thanks. It's so sunny. It's, I'm assuming it's the same where you are as well. Not it is, bad. yeah, absolutely boiling today. <laughs> um, so just for a bit of background, me and Helen, well, we haven't actually met yet, but um, I organised Barry Pride in 2019 and Helen is now organising the first Hay Pride. Um, and so how is that coming on? really excitingly um so I think when I first spoke to you and thank you so much I was so excited to be connected with you and to have somebody to just talk through the principle of the idea before I'd even announced to anybody that uh that hey pride 2022 is going to be a thing and it is definitely going to be a thing (laughs) and I was kind of missing at the time a, a partner in crime and um, I spoke to my friend Graham who runs uh, Riverflow Yoga locally and Graham was equally as energized by the idea as, mm. as I am and also Graham used to run a, a pop-up bar in Hay on Wye called the Pink Pop-Up which wasn't, I don't think anyone ever said it was a gay bar as such or, but it was a very like um Graham and his partner Matthew by running it made it a very queer friendly space Mm. and then when it wasn't popping up anymore because it was a seasonal thing um, it it felt to me like there was a bit of a gap in the community because there is a lot of diversity um, where we live and there's no designated space to meet other queer people and I found particularly uh, with lockdown um, of course you know community became more important than ever yeah I think the absence of being able to meet people in person almost highlighted for me the lack of that specific space um for those sort of the conversations that we might want to have or simply to meet like-minded people so I kind of came from from various different um thought processes and uh, I feel super energized by it Mm. yeah it's so exciting so have the community really got behind it now yeah, I've been overwhelmed in, in a good way. People often use yeah. overwhelmed <laughs> as a negative thing, like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. But I'm like really positively overwhelmed by the beautiful support that we've already been offered. You know, we have a year to go to planet. We don't have a specific date yet, but it's going to happen around summertime 2022. Um, okay. Hay Castle, which is a beautiful structure, which I'm sure if you've ever been to Hay, you will have seen it. Um, is being renovated and they've offered uh, to be the venue for for Hay Pride so at the moment because of the renovation that's kind of in principle but you know we've got been and had a tour and spoken to the people who work there and that's all moving forward and then businesses in town since we announced it and it got a bit of press coverage then businesses in town have been proactively contacting me to offer support and we're currently selecting trustees. I say select, I need to write the trustee job description. That's my yeah. next mm. That's amazing. So you're registering as a charity, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, that in itself 
is it feels a bit daunting even though I used to work in the charity sector before I became a coach charity was an area that I did copywriting and marketing and PR in it's one of the strands of my work <laughs> um, it makes sense I think if in order to collect donations and also the structure of a charity to guide Hey Pride as, as a new organization that feels good to me yeah got past the paperwork stage I think it'll be the best option yeah definitely I know like with Barry Pride we tried to do a lot of it ourselves and I said that if we ever did it again then we would definitely have to get other people on board and delegate and outsource things because Mm -hmm. it just becomes a full-time job and you obviously want to do it the best that you can Mm -hmm. and yeah so it just takes over everything in in a really good way but yeah it is a lot um and we are actually coming to hey on why in a couple of weeks so I was going to ask you after this for some food and drink and stuff recommendations Um, yeah oh good but do you think that kind of community aspect is important for business owners as well most definitely I think community can mean so many different things can't Mm. it and I think of community Obviously, I live in a, a very friendly town, and I know you do as well. In yeah. Barry, and we have our the physical community around us, um, and then also, I feel like so I have my coaching community. So I'm in touch with other coaches, not just in the UK, but in the US as well, in Europe. Yeah. And then there's kind of like the I suppose an audience that speaks to to you and to me is it's only a small number of people in the world really who work for themselves and I'm surrounded by people that work for themselves so I take it for granted but there's only a few of us really in the you know if you looked at it statistically compared to the amount of people who have another employer in a PAYE job versus those of us who have decided that we want to forge our own path and that's another element of community for me as well is that those like-minded people. That's so true actually I never thought about that because I remember um even with things like the election and stuff. And mm-hmm. I used to always just think that everyone, not everyone thought the same way as me, but, you know, I was I was kind of, I thought that it would go a certain way. And then my partner, Tom, said, but you're in an echo chamber of other people who are like you and have the same kind of values and opinions as you. And I think the same goes for small business owners and just business owners and th- freelancers in general, that, it's good to surround ourselves with other people like us because we can all help each other then and share advice and share lessons and that wisdom as well definitely and at the same time I totally hear what what you're saying and what your partner was saying is that we can find ourselves in that bubble and it's very cozy in there oh yeah be aware of maybe different viewpoints or even sometimes things that are going on in the world mm. um, so I definitely um, uh, yeah what you said that really that really rings true to me I definitely have had in the past some very skewed perspectives on how elections are going to go and that kind yeah. of thing. I've been genuinely shocked um, on the basis of just listening to what people like me think about yeah. that feel important to, to me so yes I, I think that there is something to be said for consciously expanding our networks in ways that feel hard sometimes yes. as well. mm. 
Yeah, even like with Barry Pride, I felt that it was a learning opportunity. Like every single thing that we did was was something to learn. And yeah, I really I was really grateful for that because obviously we're not perfect, but we just learned so much doing that event and it was brilliant. um, as a coach we talk about you've probably heard this because a lot of what you speak about on your podcast and and your um, other communications kind of resonates with me from a coaching perspective I think Mm. you're the the way you have a lovely tone the way that you impart advice is so thoughtful and gentle it's powerful but not like you're not telling people what to do you're inviting Mm. them and you're saying you know look at what works for you so I kind of I see a lot of coaching in in what you do Um, (laughs) in uh, in coaching in terms of kind of uh, methods and templates and things obviously we have a whole load of diagrams which uh, I'm about to describe one to you with my hands which doesn't work so <laughs> podcast, but I'll try and describe it verbally as well we talk about the comfort zone the stretch zone and the panic yes. zone and it's kind of like if you think of the mod target you know like or, or just any target really it's like this circle in the middle which is this comfort zone which obviously you know we like to stay in because uh, it feels great um and then the stretch zone and the panic zone and of course the panic zone is your fight and flight and you don't want to go there really on the outside of that circle but what coaching training teaches us is that we should spend as much time as possible in the stretch zone which okay. generally means making mistakes mm. feeling uncomfortable kind of uh showing up with vulnerability as people like Brené Brown talk about yeah that's hard Mm. yeah really hard that's funny actually because my newsletter yesterday was about um this line from the marvelous Mrs Maisel have you watched that on Amazon Prime I adored it Mm -hmm. so good and her manager she did a really bad show and she blamed it on the audience and her manager was like no she was like lady you stunk tonight like you bombed (laughs) and it was like yeah you are gonna bomb like some of the things you're gonna do are gonna be awful and you have to just keep going that's the decision you make when you're self-employed isn't it like if something goes wrong you can just quit and sack it all in and that's fine if you want to do that that's okay or you try again and you learn from it and you keep going I have just realized that we haven't even spoken about what you do and what your background is and everything so do you want to just explain like what like what you do basically <laughs> I've been I've been sort of weaving it in uh, yeah. coaching and the marketing and the PR so um I worked in PR and marketing for nearly 20 years in total the first 10 for other people and then the next 10 for myself and I say for myself you know I had I had a small agency when I lived in London and we worked with some amazing clients it was so much fun we we did PR for Naked Wines um I did work for the Royal Institute of British Architects we did stuff for Confused.com um who else Sarah Beanie I worked with we did a little bit of work for Disney which was amazing Mm -hmm. uh yes I had an absolute ball as you can tell by the way I describe it um and then uh, I found after having run my own thing for quite a long time people kept consistently coming to me and asking for mentoring and guidance and support kind of going you've been into the scary waters and yeah. used to be still alive and vaguely happy most of the time <laughs> <laughs> can you let us know how, how it is in the in the in that water um so uh I often tend to tended to attract uh, people who wanted to go freelance or wanted to set up uh, their own agency or whatever it was and um 
this, this will be very familiar to you it's kind of like oh can we have a coffee yes <laughs> can I pick <laughs> your brain coffees? you know it's great <laughs> and I love doing it but then I was kind of thinking maybe there's actually a career in these these coffees yeah um, and I started gradually learning mentoring skills um I did a little bit of therapy training I didn't become a therapist but I did mm-hmm. a bit of training in that direction and then ended up having sort of tried those two options uh noticing that coaching felt most aligned to the way that I like to work yeah so I've done a coaching diploma and and other training but I don't uh, I don't ever feel that the training's not done you know yeah certificate but the training continues every day uh formally and informally so I I'm that's a long way of saying I'm a coach (laughs) (laughs) I am a coach (laughs) Uh, I work with people in creative industries artists actors writers tv presenters uh all sorts of wonderful people amazing uh, I love what you said we had a quick chat last week and you said that you help people have creative ideas for boring stuff and I just loved that because like a lot of business is quite boring and you know you have to try and like make it interesting in some way don't you yeah, hundred percent. And I always love that. Do you mind if I take a sip of my tea, by the way? I oh, was, please I was, go for it. I was going to have a drink of it and I was like, is this going to sound really bad on the podcast? <laughs> if there's a slurp, we can edit it out. <laughs> it might be. That <laughs> might be the important bit. Um, yeah, I, I always found making so-called boring things interesting was kind of like my, my ninja skill when I was, uh, kind of younger and more junior in PR I gravitated towards financial um clients so I worked in accountancy and I worked in investments and a lot of my friends at the time were like oh my god you know a lot of my friends (laughs) were uh promoting like trendy fashion or um shampoo or like cool stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was there like so let's talk about mortgages and uh, (laughs) uh, you know uh what do you call it like like, um, let's have a conversation about negative equity um (laughs) and I think that I always saw like the heroes and villains in the stories and the stories in any kind of um investment or business takeover or um uh, budget announcement has it has people in it it yeah. has as I say heroes and villains it has images and content the same as anything else and it's just about maybe digging a tiny bit deeper to find it yeah so how can a business owner do that for themselves mm, that's a really nice question am I just giving away everything that no, <laughs> all your secrets I know I think we should definitely talk about that so and you're great at this as well. I think you you notice that uh, it's different for everybody. So it's never yeah. a one size fits all. But what I, if I could kind of sum up everything that I speak about with my clients, and I say speak about, I mean coaching. It would surprise you because I'm chatty as they come, but coaching is a lot about listening. Yeah. So I've got listen as a reminder, tattoo on my wrist. Oh, amazing. <laughs> only tattoo. Um, and uh, I've got a ladybird. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> That's really sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a lot about listening. But equally, if I was to give tips to people on how to make their own story interesting, then it's usually 
the bits that you're most uncomfortable about that make the great stories yeah. to be honest and and uh it's working so the task I think before we even start to contemplate the stories or how people are going to share them yes we can teach people how to write some beautiful copy uh or um show up more confidently in an interview but before we get to that stage it's about being comfortable with yourself and yeah. comfortable with your skin. And that's so hard, there's no, you know, because you know, nobody's ever there with that. It's never no. complete. And then everything, whether we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, creativity or self-belief or um, authenticity, it's all about knowing yourself and knowing where, where the lines are for you, what you're comfortable to share. Mm. And what doesn't feel okay, and maybe being a bit braver gradually and and increasing that that comfort zone, making it wider. Yeah, definitely. So, for example, um, themes such as sexuality, race, gender, diversity are probably a lot more interesting to talk about and to read about than. Um, something that doesn't involve people you know like uh yeah i'm trying to think of something that's more generic so some people might launch their business and, and talk about the color palette or the fonts that they've chosen for their new logo and yeah. that's lovely but i'd really like to know behind that story who is who's the real person that's that's delivering this business to me what's yeah. important to them and that comes down to our values and that can be really, really personal. It's like those things that need to be present in our lives in order to feel fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. And that's really interesting because I remember like when we spoke about this last week that I asked for your advice about um, going on other people's podcasts. And I think one of the things you said was about like, what's the other stuff, yes. you know? So yes, I, I can help you with your marketing. I can help you with the social media but loads of other businesses can do that, but not other businesses um, have Crohn's disease or have two chocolate Labradors or move 200 miles across the country to Wales on their own. And yes. it's those extra bits of story where I I hear it a lot, actually, like um, business owners will say something to me and I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, Why have you never mentioned that before? And they're like, what? no one wants to know about that. And I'm like, that is absolutely what they want to know about because they've heard everything else all before that we have to be realistic about that I can I can rejig the same kind of Instagram hack and you know how to do reels and things like this you have heard it all before but what you haven't heard is my version of it mm -hmm. and yeah I just wish that other businesses had the confidence to do that but like you say it's about that comfort zone isn't it and getting out of it hundred percent. And I think it needs to feel safe as well. So mm -hmm. if you're talking about a health condition or if somebody's talking about their sexuality and maybe they're talking about coming out or maybe they're talking about something that previously was part of their personal life and not part of their work life. Yeah. And now those boundaries are emerging. That can feel really uncomfortable and vulnerable. And also we might receive criticism from absolute strangers on the internet which already oh, happened yeah. with pride as you can imagine oh my god the, what we had we hadn't even started it yet it's like you're gonna do it wrong you're gonna mess it up and I was like 
how do you know we haven't mm-hmm. done anything yet absolutely and there's something um Renee Brown says about being in the arena kind of like if you're there and you've got I can't remember how she says it but it's kind of like if you're in the arena and you've got dirt on your face and you're sweaty then you have earned the right to criticize maybe the person that's standing alongside you like even then you know (laughs) careful what you say before you say it but the people that are often criticizing are the ones that are not in the arena themselves they're not getting their hands falling up their sleeves and um, what my, my friend Graham, who's working on Hey Pride With Me, said when we got some unhelpful comments on the press coverage, uh, just, you know, in the comments section on the online newspapers. And he said, oh, we've got our first troll. I'm so excited. <laughs> officially launched. Yes. We have a troll. We must, you know, it means that the story must have got out there and we must be going in the right direction because you don't get trolls if you're not doing anything. Oh, that's so true. And actually, when we were doing Barry Pride, that Renee Brown quote, I said it to myself probably every single day because we were just getting this constant, and it was from a very small group of people, actually, um, this constant criticism. And I went back to them and said, okay, would you like to come and help us out then? Because I'd love to hear your viewpoint and your feedback. Obviously, it's different from mine. So come on board. I'd love your help oh no I couldn't do that I'm far too busy I've got far too much going on and it's like okay so you want to sit back and criticize me for something I haven't even started doing yet but you won't come on board and help and change it to be what you want it to be well that, that's, that's not how it works I'm afraid yeah. like that that doesn't work for me so yeah we ended up you have to have a really thick skin I think and mm-hmm doing things like that and just being generally in business you're gonna get people who don't like what you do and it's hard you're so right and I love how you approached it and uh inviting it's it takes real guts to invite those people closer to you yeah (laughs) really you want to shut the door yeah inviting leaning into it and inviting that person in and then they they chose not to be a part of it and that's their decision I love how you how you describe it and how you approached it I think that's beautiful um and I probably totally misquoted Brené Brown so uh you know (laughs) (laughs) I got the gist (laughs) (laughs) so um it's interesting you said about thick skin because when it comes to thinking about resilience that's another piece that I speak about with clients and I think any form of creativity the work we're putting out is it can feel emotional mm. and it, it, it's really interesting to think about, you know, you're talking about um, going out with those real stories about your, your actual life, which is so much more interesting to people, but also it's like then we're putting something of ourselves out there. And so building the resilience is another, another part of the toolkit really. And one of the ways that we do that is uh, look at who we choose to have around us and, and what our support mechanism looks like. So yeah. I talk about your squad. Uh, (laughs) I wrote it in my book about I'm going to say this and explain why I changed it so I did initially write the whole book and I put the word tribe which is a word that I'd heard a lot of other people use to describe the people around you and your support network and your your contacts and so on and then I heard a podcast I'm a bit of a (laughs) podcast addict it seems Um, (laughs) I heard a podcast where the interviewer was talking to someone who was part of an actual tribe that was their heritage and who described that using that word could be really unhelpful because Mm -hmm. 
that was that was something that was part of their um, ancestry and not a word to be used lightly and bandied around in marketing yeah. terms. So I learned and I went and did that find and replace that you can do on there yeah. uh, when, you, when you're writing a piece and throughout the entire book and hopefully caught all the examples of it and changed it to the word squad, which squad isn't a word that I would have really used before, but it felt like the closest to what I was trying to say. Yeah. I like the word squad, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I like resonate it. with that. Yeah. It took a while to get to, because uh, I'm not very sporty or anything, and it took a while to kind of like, uh, embed it in my own vocabulary but now yeah. I do it very very naturally and so for me my squad is a mixture of people who experts who I'm paying to yeah. support me uh, whether that's my VA my coach I've just started uh, speaking to a supervisor um, and I have therapy from time to time I go to a healer from time to time yeah and then there's the people who I don't pay. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my close friends, um, my family, into particularly my siblings, um, really, really supportive. And being conscious of who your squad is can really help your resilience as well. Yeah. Because you don't have to carry everything all on your own shoulders. And having different people to go through for different elements can be really, really nice. Yeah, that's really true. And actually, um, a lot of people in this kind of space of like coaching, teaching, things like that, they have so much free content. So, and you know, you're saying about the people you pay, the people you don't pay, there are opportunities to learn without paying. So most people, like I have this podcast, I know both of us have a newsletter. Um, There's all these little ways to get that content for free before you decide that you want to work with someone and pay them and and take it that one step further as well absolutely and I love that you you just reminded me of that because when um I was writing well (laughs) I didn't initially set out to write a book I mean I've always wanted to write a book but the way that I started was to create a writing habit and that's something I speak about with people whether it's writing singing dancing painting is to create a regular habit and I made my writing habitual by creating a blog post on LinkedIn once a week, every Sunday night. And I did That's this cool. for about 30 or 40 weeks because I had this belief and I still have this belief that whatever it is that you want to be known for in the world, you have to start doing that thing before yeah. someone you to do it, really. <laughs> Just keep doing the thing and do it um, as consistently as possible. So people got to know that my blog was always, my blog post was always going to appear on a Sunday night. And then after however long it was, 30 or 40 weeks of consistently posting, I got this email saying, um, we'd like to publish some of your writing in a book. Could you create your, uh, could you recreate the contents of your blog into into a, a business book for us? And I ignored it because I thought so... it was a <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. Oh, no, no, carry on. Um, so I ignored it because I thought it was spam. Then I got another email from the same organization, but from a different person who wrote that saying, did you not get our email? We didn't <laughs> like to turn your blog post into a book. Um, could you get back to us, please? So eventually I did reply. I was going, maybe it's not spam. Um And then I had the most disappointing experience of my life, which was um, trying to make a book out of these blog posts. And the book had to be a minimum, I think, of something like 50,000 words minimum, which is a very short book. And I added up all the blog posts together and it came to about 5,000 words. Oh, no. (laughs) 
because obviously it's a different format and so mm -hmm. I still had to write the other um yeah <laughs> <laughs> 5,000 words <laughs> and um I've always loved writing but actually sitting there in lockdown on my own writing these words by myself wasn't very appealing so um I started interviewing people and doing it that way and I think the book's richer for it so the book is not a bunch of stuff out of my head yeah um, it's a series of really interesting interviews from all sorts of creative people from um the fields of everything from um trying to think of the word psychology but neuro can't the word has gone from my head <laughs> People that understand how the brain works, let's say. Okay, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and neuroscientist, I think that's the word I'm looking for. So everything from a neuroscientist to uh, painters, photographers, agency owners, a lot of the time talking about stuff they did wrong, which are the conversations I find so fascinating. Yeah, all the learnings mm. from that as well. That's really interesting what you just said about the habit of writing because – um, I've sent my newsletter every Sunday now for about a year and a half and it's called the social Sunday because of that um, and it was only after I'd done it for about a year probably that people started asking me how I did the newsletter and yeah how how did you do it like how did you start it how how are you writing it so consistently and I felt then I was able to help people do that because I'd done it every week for a year but if I just done, you know, a few newsletters here or there, then who would I really be to help them with it? But yeah, because of that consistency, I felt like I could help them with it, I suppose. But yeah, I love the story of, of your book. And it's called Founders, Freelancers and Rebels, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. And I do like to encourage people to think of themselves as founders if they've started yeah. something whether it's a small business whether they think of themselves as self-employed or as a freelancer the word founders feels really powerful to me because it reminds us that we've started something and that it could be as big as we want it to it could be as creative as we want it to founders almost sounds to me much more like there's no boundaries whereas some of the other phrases maybe can feel restrictive yeah. Or am I a freelancer or am I a consultant? Or am I, and the language gets a bit confusing. But if we all see ourselves as founders, then um, there's just something grounding about that word that I uh, like. It. Yeah. It sounds, like, it sounds like what we're doing has really deep roots. And so that's why I chose it. I love that because, like, I absolutely agree with you. And yet, founders still for me feels hard. But because if I say small business owner, then it, it keeps me small which is safe and it's about that comfort zone thing as well and I absolutely am a founder and also a small uh, just a business owner I suppose now it's not even that small um, mm. and I can imagine that a lot of the people that I work with would kind of feel that way as well and it's about helping them to feel that confidence to just own the fact that they've started and are growing a business and it, and it isn't that small anymore. Absolutely. And I see my clients over the years. So some people I've been coaching for several years, but each time we start a new program of coaching, we kind of go up a level, we hold mm. more, we set different goals, we talk about the usefulness of the coaching. It's not like an ongoing, you know, sometimes you hear about people that maybe had the same, maybe had the same therapist for 20 years and you think you're actually <laughs> achieving anything here. Yeah. Um, I'm not a therapist anyway, but uh, as a coach, 
I always work in programs with my clients and we have targets and goals for each program and we reflect at the end of each program and maybe we have a break as well um, between those sort of batches of, of coaching and I see my clients maybe they didn't think originally that they could take on staff or export globally or whatever the thing is and now they are doing those things yeah I don't push anybody. I never tell anyone how they should run their business because that's, to be honest, it's none of my business how they choose yeah. to do it. But what I do is offer the cheerleading and the, any tools that I can offer. And it's mainly the opportunity, you know, I hold the space for them to hear what they, to hear themselves saying what they think about issues and themes that most people never have talks about at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Because sometimes when someone asks you the right question and you don't think about the answer, you just let it flow out of your mouth. You're like, whoa, did I really just say that? Is that really what I want? And then you're like, actually, yeah, that is what I want. I've just never felt comfortable or with the right person I could say that to. I love it when that happens. It's so uh, enriching. And yeah, we ask loads of difficult questions in coaching. So we mm. ask things like, you know, we ask about what fulfills you, what your values are with this one question, which it always sounds mean, but it's really powerful, which is like, what are the lies that you're telling yourself? So <gasps> people talk about, you know, I can't, oh, I tell myself I can't do this or, or whatever it is. And, and I always caveat it and say, look, everything, I, everything here is coming from a place of love. I, I coach yeah. in a very warm and thoughtful way, but yeah, it's a powerful question. What lies are you telling yourself? Or what assumptions are you making? We might yeah. make assumptions about our clients um, or about other people around us. And then coming on to the creativity piece, and I'm I'm going to be running a couple of workshops on creativity, uh, a free free short workshop, a taster workshop, and um, a longer paid for workshop. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about because uh, <laughs> you and I had a really nice conversation about this the other day, and it, yeah. I really enjoyed discussing it with you. I often find with creativity, a really nice starting point is to think of all the senses. Yeah, I was hoping you'd mention this. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that your book has got a beer. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I think when people pay us to show up creatively every day, of course, that's going to feel like a pressure. Like the idea of being creative on demand, like a genie of a lamp is, mm. is a really big ask. And maybe some days we're just not feeling it or the ideas. This is another one. The ideas might seem boring to us because they come so naturally or because we've been working in the same industry for a long time, but they probably won't seem boring to the people on the receiving end. Yeah, um, so There's all sorts of things to, to take into account when we're, uh, being judgmental of, of ourselves and, and our our level of creativity but um I do always come back to the senses if I'm stuck and I got really stuck because my book launch was happening in lockdown the bookshops <laughs> were shut <laughs> I live in a book town the bookshops were shut and I was launching and I wasn't able to do any of those you know but usually there's this really nice part at the end of a massive project writing a book often takes a couple of years mm. and you get this nice little reward at the end where you get to go and drink some kind of warm uh, Prosecco in a, in a disposable cup in a, <laughs> <laughs> in a bookshop somewhere and people can come along and, and, and ask you awkward questions. And that's kind of the, the meant to be the reward at the end of the process. Um, but I didn't get that because everywhere was closed. <laughs> and um, 
so I thought well how can I bring the party to the people if I can't bring the people to the party yeah so I spoke to my friend Luke who runs Lucky Seven Beer in Hay on Wye and I said Luke can we make a beer for the book and he's such a positive person and for me that was an element of thinking about the senses as well because I was thinking Mm -hmm. about something physical and tangible that I could share with people like literally what would my book taste like (laughs) if my book had a flavor what would it taste like and I worked in the beer industry for a while and I loved it and I liked the fact that it's local and it's craft and also where we live we're not too far away from hop farms I've visited hop farms around here so there's a really tangible it's it's not just what it tastes like but what it smells like as well Mm. and then what it feels like so the beer we created is in a big 500 ml bottle it's got a very vibrant label which looks like the cover of the book and surprisingly (laughs) founders freelancers and rebels beer it's this delicious um ipa and it's kind of um it's something that you wouldn't it's not it's not your standard it's 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 easy drinking so I think anyone that likes beer would enjoy it but it's not your standard generic kind of um mass produced it's it's at the opposite end of the scale from that it's a very beautiful craft manual process that Luke uses and um so everything about it really spoke to me this this idea just felt really really good and so when the shop started to open back again we've given everybody in hay who's bought the book a free bottle of the beer to accompany it so that they can sit in a hammock by the river <laughs> yes I love that and the book. Mm. that's so amazing so what about the other senses then when it comes to the book so mm. I'm trying to think what ones so I guess it would be like hearing and yeah well, yeah mm, I love that you came to that and um I, I am drinking my tea in between so you're probably gonna hit quite a lot of gulps but okay. <laughs> helping me yeah I, I'm like many people I, I'm fueled by tea so it seems to be working for me. Um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with audio a lot of the marketing teams and press offices I've worked with have neglected audio and to, to such an extent as a lot of websites have no sound on them. I mean, you don't want something blasting out when you when you go onto a website. You don't yeah. want a, a rock song blasting out because you might be in an, a quiet office or whatever. But sound is an underused marketing tool in many ways. So I'll mm. give you an example. I worked for a client where the phone would ring a lot, but a lot of the time when it did ring, it would be unwanted uh, sales calls. Yeah. And... Um, So this kind of uh, became actually quite time consuming that people were having to be paid to answer the phone to get rid of unwanted sales calls. Yeah. And at the same time, the phone wasn't massively being used as a as a marketing tool, which may may sound strange when I say that, but I'll explain. Um, And so what we did instead of using the standard answering machine message that um, comes with uh, an office phone system, we got somebody who had a really interesting voice, a colloquial accent, a great yeah. sense of humor to record <laughs> this highly entertaining message in their own words to explain, this is what we can do for you. You know, if you want to speak to this person about this, go to that number. If you want to speak to that person. And at the end of the message, they said, we don't like any of those sales calls. Okay? <laughs> That's what you're in for. Please hang up now. Yeah. It worked. Not only did the sales calls drop, but also people enjoyed the message so whereas sometimes you might ring up and you, you wouldn't even want to hear the options yeah or you might email because 
um, just you think, oh, I'm going to have to wait on the phone for a long time and it just feels really clunky. It kind of cleared up the phone lines a bit because we weren't getting so so many people just selling things that we didn't need. But equally, people were ringing just to hear the voice message and it became yeah. an extension of the marketing uh, mix or however you say it. And so, you know, in terms of impact, it was also a bit of fun for us. It was a bit of branding because people think of branding. I mean, I know you, you know that this is not what it is, but people often think branding is a logo. And it's yes. <laughs> logo is like a tiny part of the brand. And the way you answer the phone is part of your brand. Yeah, 100%. And like audio is so good for accessibility as well. And people don't always just want to read all of the time. So having those different ways that people can learn from you as well. And to hear someone's voice, I think is so much more, there's so much more of a connection there um, than just to read. And obviously you can bring your tone of voice and the way that you speak into the way that you write, but there is nothing that is the same as just hearing someone's voice. And people might see mine and go, oh, she's from Barry. And then they hear their my voice and they go, well, she's not from Barry, is she? So it adds so much thing. personality. And like you say, it gives us these different clues. Um, and it, as you say, again, it's great for accessibility. I'm not, see, this is the interesting thing because it's not like as if you go to my website and everything is perfect. Not that mm. there is such a thing as perfect. It's not like everything that I suggest is going to be perfectly modeled in my own social and in my own um, online presence. I'm trying my best, like most yeah. of them. But yeah, someone could go onto my website and say, well, actually there's not enough uh visual content or there's not enough audio content but it's something that I bear in mind all the time so even guesting on podcasts that's something that's been relatively recent to me and I've done quite a few in the last sort of six months and when I did the first one I actually I wanted to re-record it because I hated the sound of my own voice no, no. I, I didn't like the fact that you can, I mean, you can prepare, but you can't really prepare because it's got to sound like a natural conversation. And I was so stilted and awkward and embarrassed and I hated hearing it. And I think the only way to get past that is to keep doing it. Yeah, that's so true. Because I recorded three podcasts, just me talking into them. And then I left them there for about eight or nine months. And I just could not physically bring myself to listen to them or release them or do anything with them. And then I listened back to them and I was like, oh no that's not me at all and I just wish I'd listened to it eight months before Mm -hmm. and then tried again for eight months even if it took that long which it probably wouldn't have um just to get into the flow of being able to record a podcast and it didn't take very long for it to feel like me again after that but it was the trying again that I couldn't bring myself to do it yeah that really resonates with me and it's very permission giving even to, you know, for people to hear you say that or to be able to make mistakes It's permission giving for everybody else, because yeah. if you keep up this idea of perfectionism, yes. which is a trait, which maybe come from, came from childhood, perhaps we got praised by our teachers and our parents and caregivers when we were children for being a good little girl or a good little boy or whatever it is then that perfectionism can stay with us. And it's not that helpful in adulthood. It's not that helpful in business. It can no. trying to show up as authentically and honestly as we can with all of our energy. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But trying to be perfect all the time, 
yeah we set ourselves up for failure and then if we're the kind of person where perfectionism is is our goal then we're probably going to try and hide the mistakes under the carpet yeah. <laughs> and worse um so it, yeah being able to make mistakes and own them and they're not even mistakes so on your website I was just having a little look at here researching it says coaching for creative people which I love so what does creativity actually mean for you Mm, and I'm putting you on the spot there I'm sorry (laughs) that's a great question um for me personally I think it means making work that make that uh, elicits feelings in us yes if I interact with a piece of art or music or a book or a piece of poetry and it it really moves me and I have a an emotional reaction to it then Mm. that's done the job so that's what it means for me that's really cool. And, and do you think that businesses can do that within their audience? So try and get like an emotional response from their audience with what they're creating? I do. And also, I don't think that that should be the goal in a way. Mm, I mean, yeah. You talk about what do you want people to think, feel and do as a result of interacting with your marketing. That is something that I might ask people if I was trying to support them in that way. But if we set out to create the thing that um, if we express ourselves and we set out to create something that's important to us and that's in line with our beliefs and our values and we put all of our energy in there, then it will inevitably uh, elicit feelings in people anyway. So I'm not sure that the aim has to be to get feelings out of people. I think the aim should be for me, authenticity and speaking our truth. And then the feelings will come rather than, trying to prod somebody (laughs) yeah that's true and even forcing that authenticity feels weird as well it's that natural feeling and like the flow and yeah I love that okay what would be your number one piece of advice then is there anything that you are regularly telling your coaching clients that seems to come up a lot you know what would be your number one thing Mm. yes there is and most of it it does come back to authenticity. I know I keep using that <laughs> a lot, but it's like if you catch yourself trying to emulate someone who you think your audience wants you to be, um, or you feel like you are a different version of yourself, then mm-hmm. almost like there's a tr- there's a true you inside, and you're putting a persona out there for your business clients that's when what people talk about imposter syndrome, that's when this imposter syndrome creeps in because not being true to yourself can feel really, really exhausting. Mm-hmm. It can put unnecessary pressure on us. It can cause tension. It can cause all sorts of stress. And the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. And yeah. I see and hear from so many people who are not wearing the clothes that they want to be wearing or not don't have the sort of clients they would really love to work for or don't even work in the industry that they enjoy because they feel like they're supposed to and I'm doing the inverted yeah. <laughs> feel like they're supposed to wear particular outfits or have a certain client base or earn a certain amount of money but actually that's the beauty of working for ourselves we get to choose like yes. that. Come on. <laughs> um we get to decide and I think we should always, I don't use the word should much, but when I do, it, it means I really mean it. We should choose authenticity every time, every yeah. single time. And at the same time as saying that 
keeping ourselves safe. So it's not about putting your entire medical history out there until you're comfortable with yourself. And if you are great, yeah. but um, the authenticity is not the same as sharing and resolve trauma. So <laughs> yes. I recently started speaking about my sexuality more. I've started speaking yeah. about other sort of more personal things more, but I did so much work with my therapist and my coach and my close friends before I started writing that on LinkedIn. It wasn't like LinkedIn wasn't my first port of call. Yeah. <laughs> There's that thing, isn't it? Sharing from a scar, not a wound. Mm. So not you don't have to share anything while you're in it, but if you want to share it when it's healed up and you've learned a lesson from it and that you think would be useful for other people then you could share it then. And um, I'm having some coaching at the moment from Lucy Sheridan and it's really good. And one of the things that she says is everyone has like a PIP, which is a proof it's possible, I think. Um, So it's those people that you look at. And like you say, like, you're not, we're not trying to be them. We're not copying them. Um, But they are there to show us that absolutely, if it's possible for them, it's possible for us as well. And you might feel like an imposter, but they probably did at the start too. You just have to keep going. And like, eventually you might get to where they want to be because why would, why shouldn't it be you? Why, why would it not be you? Absolutely. And is it Lucy that talks about comparing ourselves to others? And yeah. I think that's a beautiful piece of, of wisdom as well. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, thank you so much for this chat. It's been really lovely. Um, where can we find you? If anyone wants to look you up. Oh, I've enjoyed it so much. And um, I prefer Instagram. I'm on, I'm on most of the social medias, but Instagram is my, my favorite. I'm very picture led in my communications and I'm coaching by Helen on Instagram. So I would definitely welcome the interaction, the comments, uh, new accounts to follow is always keeps me interested to, to connect with other creative people. Amazing. And where can we get your book? Oh, that's a nice question. Too. <laughs> uh, so it's called Founders, Freelancers and Rebels. And I would always recommend going to your favorite bookshop and ordering yeah. it uh, if you can to keep uh, keep independent businesses going. Um, the distributor in the UK is called Eurospan because it's published in the US. So if you go into your local bookshop and ask for Founders, Freelancers and Rebels by Helen Jane Campbell and say the distributor is Eurospan, hopefully they'll be able to point you in the right direction or you can buy it. Mm-hmm one of those very well-known online books <laughs> we won't mention them I'm <laughs> gonna have a look for it when we come to hay and wine a couple of weeks <laughs> and get your free bottle of beer <gasps> yes of course oh thank you so much excellent such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much Helen for such an interesting conversation and I might go and crack open my beer now I really hope that you found that useful as well if you know anyone who might get value from this podcast please share it with them and if you'd love to leave me a review I would really like that as well thank you so much for listening speak soon bye